right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with Peace Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Thursday, June 15th. Glad to have you back with us. Had a little bit of a snafu yesterday. I started doing some content in the morning, and apparently my dumbass got rid of that content. So I got to pretend like it's yesterday on certain topics and pretend like it's today on others. But you know what? I'm a professional. And you know what? And here we are. So, Stefan Diggs was absent from the Bills, OTAs, and training camps. I'll tell you why that's a great thing and a bad thing. Two extremes on both tails. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets on winning their first championship. I told y'all this would happen. Also, we will dive into the dumbest I have read on the internet this week. Spoiler alert, two of them have to do with me. Neil Everett is now out of ESPN. I'll tell you why I think it's going down, regardless of what ESPN wants to tell you. Baby Gronk's daddy needs to check himself and a whole lot more. So, since NFL really runs this country, and, you know, there's so many, there's so many bandwagon fans, dog. It's crazy. I remember when the Bills were a laughing stock. It was always the boy I love losing Super Bowls. <laughs> that is so creative back in 1995, dog. We're in 2023. If you're going to make fun of somebody, at least be creative. I told y'all, man, I I am usually a LeBron defender for the most part as well. Just come up with something more creative than LaFlop. You can make fun of him all you want to, but just think outside the box. Do something for you, dog. It's the same thing with the Bills slander. But I do 100% understand why the Bills get so much slander. Which leads me to this point. Yesterday, Stefan Diggs was not present at Bill's OTAs, which is, you know, mandatory. It's bad for radio, but I have I have air quotes. Mandatory OTAs are only mandatory for dudes they are mandatory for. And I will tell you now, Stefan Diggs does not need a mandatory anything. Which, Von Miller kind of came to his defense on that. He was like, hey, it's not a big deal. We got him. It's OTAs. It's all good. It's all love. And Josh Allen, same dude, saying, I, I do, I, I love that man. He's my brother. Who is about to get spicy because... Josh Allen is only Josh Allen because of Stefan Diggs. Every time that I talk any type of about Josh Allen, it's always, you're a hater. And I'm like, no, I watched the first two years before they got a number one wide receiver. And guess what's going to happen when that number one wide receiver is not there anymore? It ain't going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's just going to be bad and ugly. And now, I know that Stefan is back at practice and everything seems like it's okay. He's been pissed the last two years about how their season has ended, which I understand why. Especially from the perspective of, of it, it's my viewpoint. It's not everybody's, but it's mine of Josh Allen would not be Josh Allen without Stephon Diggs. Now, if you think that Josh Allen is as good as he is, you shouldn't have a worry about getting rid of Stephon Diggs, right? Because Gabriel Davis will be the next number one wide receiver. Get the f*** out of here. I'm so tired of the Gabe Davis talk. He's fine. He's good. Good. He's all right, but that dude will go six catches for 200 yards and two tuds, or he'll give you one catch for eight yards. That's who he is. 
and that's the guy who's supposed to be the true number two. He's not a true number two. But you saw Josh Allen get good once their receivers got where they were supposed to be. Stephon Diggs is a true number one. And that number one made guys like John Brown, Cole Beasley. He wasn't there with Kelvin Benjamin. Thank God he wasn't there for the Kelvin Benjamin Goodberger goddamn years. But my point is, the Bills were trying, they tried everything. We're going to get big receivers because we know that Josh Allen's not accurate. That didn't work. Then they went all small receivers and said, well, let's get somebody, let's get anybody who can just get separation. And then that'll give him a bigger window. Or let's do this thing called let's get one of the best wide receivers in the entire league and then make Josh Allen look like he's supposed to be an MVP. And this is where we are right now. So when I look at this in its entirety, this is one of two extremes. One of two things is going to happen, in my opinion. He's either A, going to stay there because Allen and Diggs have a pretty good regular season rapport. They're pretty good. You see how they interact with each other, and that's all fine. But when the postseason happens... Stephon Diggs is like, yo, would you stop with a all the time and with the if you just stop and we'd all be fine. That's him. That's him every single postseason in Buffalo. He might be good there. Maybe he's not. All I'm saying, though. Yo, your dog had to, had to take a little breath, man. I don't like getting worked up about Bill's football. I don't get worked up about most things, but I will get worked up over the fact that y'all be beefing up Josh Allen to be better than he is. He's a turnover machine. He makes bad mistakes. He leads the league in interceptable passes, even though they aren't intercepted. Because he throws infinity billion miles an hour. He's a turnover machine with his with his fumbles, interceptions, everything. The dude is not your Jesus of the gridiron. And I don't understand how people have put him on this pedestal. It's absurd to me. And I get combated with, well, Prescott, who would you rather have? Yo, are you talking about the last 20 years? And I've made this argument too. The Bills are basically the Browns of quarterbacks. It's just not as blatantly obvious because the Bills have been essentially, they're they're the little stepbrother, man. It's, oh, we feel bad for the Bills. They're good. They're good. But we like them. The Browns were either like really good in the 60s or they've been absolute Dog, no pun intended with the dog pound. But that's largely where we are now. Some people love the Bills because they're baby brother. They've been good, but not great. They lost four Super Bowls and it's one extreme or the other. You can either make fun of us for stuff that happened. Us, I'm not part of that. I got, I hate doing that. I fucking did it. You can either make fun of the Bills because of what happened 30 years ago. Or you're like, you know what? That was super impressive. They need more respect. So I'm going to kind of follow them. And that's where we kind of are in this relationship of professional football when it comes to Buffalo, at least. So Josh Allen can come out here and say all he wants to. I love this dude. He's my brother. I love him. Yeah, because he made you an absolute ton of money. And guess what? If Von Miller is right and says, yo, these things aren't that important, which I agree with him. I agree 100% with Von Miller. Mandatory is not mandatory unless it's mandatory. And Stefan Diggs is not one of those mandatory type of dudes. But this will, this will end up in one, one situation or another. Either he plays for Buffalo And he'll figure things out, for lack of a better term, even though I don't feel like he's in the wrong whatsoever. Or he's going to get traded. 
I would not be surprised at all if he does. There's a lot of talk about him going to Dallas because of his brother. The NFL don't work that way. It would have, look, it's not that teams aren't fielding calls. They're always fielding calls. And I hate this about sports fans because they're so delusional of this person is not touchable. There was quite literally nobody who is untouchable in the world of sports. Not one. It all depends on what you get back. These owners, regardless of what it is, if it's position or if it's skill, Madden rating, whatever, doesn't matter. They are fielding calls all the f***ing time. But is it worth the squeeze? Is that juice worth that squeeze? And that's where we have to kind of compartmentalize talent versus reciprocation, if you will. And look, I'm not saying that I want Stephon Diggs gone. Of course I don't. He's the best wide receiver in Bill's history, and you can miss me with all that bullshit about Andre Reed. Andre Reed was great. Jim Kelly was great. But dog, Stephon Diggs is a whole nother animal because this game has evolved. We as humans have evolved. He's a better route I'm going to catch so much for saying that he's a better route runner than Andre Reed because old heads are just one are just going to want to say, do you remember 83? Yeah, dog, I do because I've been here since I was four years old and I'm 39. Yeah, I know who Andre Reed is. I know how good he was. I also am not stupid and realize that we as people have evolved so much. Stephon Diggs is better than Andre Reid. Spoiler alert. But to get back on topic, because God, man, y'all you did it again, dog. Y'all made me got worked up. Look, Josh Allen is trying to be the hero in this. And I think that Stephon Diggs is super pissed at Josh Allen because of how their playoff series have ended the past two or three years. He might still be there. He may not. If he's not, I don't blame him. Because I'll tell you what, when it comes down to Stephon Diggs and why he's frustrated, why he didn't show up, just go look at Josh Allen's numbers before they got Diggs. And look at their success over the last number of years with him but who's the dude getting all the love while also being a turnover machine whoops i'd be pissed too if i was stefan diggs i made you dog not the other way around we knew stefan diggs was good before he got to buffalo we didn't think that Josh Allen was good until Stefan got to Orchard Park, though. Anyway, moving on. We will continue on to a few more sports topics a little bit later on the episode. But one of the things I love is it's a segment I haven't done in a while, but it's something I call dumbish. I've read on the internet this week, and some of them. Some of them pertain to me. Some of them don't. But I have two examples of some of the dumbest I have read on the internet that do involve me. One has to do with the Denver Nuggets. And I told you guys, this is a four or five game series. Now, this was said probably two weeks ago. But I said, if you if the NBA wants to keep us engaged, because Nuggets and Heat was not the outcome that the NBA wanted. As far as ratings are concerned, engagement, everything else, this is not what they wanted. But if they were going to have it, it need to be compelling. It need to be competitive. So the Nuggets won game one. 
the Heat won game two. And I posted on the Chopping It Up with Peace Scott page on Facebook, and I said, this is the outcome that the NBA needed. And there's a certain dude, I won't put his name out there, because I told you guys beforehand, if you put something in the universe, I will use it as content, but if you say something that I think is stupid, I won't put your name on it. If you give something to me of value and want to be heard and want to have your name shout out, I will do that. So, a certain person said, why would you follow a sport that you thought was rigged? Never said I thought it was rigged. Not once. What I did say was, this is the outcome the NBA needed. If Denver went up 2-0, we are all checking out. As a society, as a nation, we are checking out of that series. And honestly, it should have been a sweep to begin with. But the fact that I said, this is what the NBA needed, doesn't mean I think it's rigged. I'm just making an observation of if Denver goes up 2-0, folks are going to start to check out. But when you come at me and say, I think it's rigged, I don't think it's rigged. I'm just saying that outcome needed to happen to keep the country engaged. So once again, spoiler alert for this guy being right. The other thing that I ran into on just the dumbest I read on the internet was this is going to, all right, if you want to fast forward because it's going to get a little bit political for about two or three minutes, I get it. It's not super bad, but I know keep politics out of sports. Well, good luck with that, man. We are embroiled. Like it's baked in the bread of America, sports and politics. You can either close your eyes to it or you can acknowledge it. You just don't like, just don't be despondent and say it's not a thing yeah it is but this doesn't even have to do with politics and sports this is strictly political and it will only be for a short moment so i don't engage in a lot of social interaction when it comes to social media i usually post my stuff leave it alone and i'll interact with my own audience but i do every once in a while will chime in with other things. So I decided to do that too. Chimed in and said, when it comes to politics, I do not, I don't vote. I never have. I don't know if I ever will because I don't believe in basically voting for the lesser of two evils. There is not one person since I've been able to vote, which is, what, basically 20 years now, so what, five presidencies every four years? So I've been able to vote five different times. Never done it. There is not one person who I go, oh yeah, that person is who I want to represent me because they're all liars. All politicians are liars. I don't care which side of the fence you want to be on. Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever. You name me one political person who has not once just said things to get more money, to get more campaign money, to just say what you want and brainwash all you idiots out there. I will vote when I think that somebody legitimately cares about me. When, and not just me, I mean us. I said me, but that's, all right, I I misstep and I misspoke, but guess what? I'm willing to admit that. You know who isn't willing to admit anything when they're wrong? Politicians. They won't do that. But I've I said I don't vote because I don't believe in the lesser of two evils. And I was met with the argument of that's the least patriotic thing that you can do. There's this weird thing called you can you can be patriotic and not vote. You know that, right? I thought that one of the reasons it's a right to vote. I don't have to. I have the right to do it if I want to. But I'm also, you can make the argument it's the most patriotic thing ever because I'm not going to be a part of putting somebody who's 
quote unquote in charge of this country, even though they aren't. And it's so stupid how people don't realize that the president does not run a goddamn thing. He is a glorified spokesperson. He doesn't control inflation. He doesn't control your gas prices. He is a spokesperson. That is it. Everything has to be voted on. He, I say he because there's never been a female president. And when there's a woman in charge, and when there is a woman who's as a president, we can say her, them as well. But he, that man, that person in charge, is not really in charge of anything. Spokesperson. Whew. Yeah, but I'm just saying that when someone told me like it's the most unpatriotic thing you can ever do, really? Because I'm not breaking any laws. I didn't do anything wrong. What I basically did is I don't like you and I don't like you. Those are my two choices. Well, I say you to both of y'all. And I've been doing it since I was, you know, 18. I don't I don't blindly follow anybody. And that's always been one of the points of my show is I'm never going to tell you what to think. I'm just asking that you do. So when I met with the, with the resistance of that's the least patriot thing you can do really. Cause guess what? If I tell you, I voted for one party, I'm going to met with, Oh, so you're a libtard. Or if I vote for the other side, Oh, so you just hate everybody except for people who look like you. No, that's not it. That isn't it, dog. But we put such an emphasis on who did you vote for? And that's where we're going to put you in that box. You're going to be labeled as that person. Look, I know know a lot of people who have voted Democrat beforehand and voted Republican beforehand. Same people. And they switch, which is fine. Because you know what that means? At least they are listening and whoever's up for ballot, they think that that person is what's doing in the best interest for them and what their ideology lies into. But guess what? What really happens? Nothing. We're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs and just rolling day by day. I might be the most patriotic person you've ever met. Because the lesser of two evils... Yeah, just roll with the punches, right? That's middle America. And before we move on, I know that I said that everything is voted on, like gas prices aren't voted on. So just before we move on, I'm just literally saying everything that you think the president's power over, he doesn't. They don't. The gas prices aren't ran by your president, whether he's your president or not. Inflation is not ran by him. You know, all those things are ran by the corporations who run those businesses. We'll be right back. When it comes to parenting, I usually try to stay out of things. You know, we can give our opinion as far as how to be a good person and things like that. But when it comes to other people's kids, I try not to parent because, you know, with me being a parent, don't you ever tell me how to raise my child because being in Alaska, it is very much a conservative state. It's kind of like Texas and, you know, there's certain things that are being pushed upon you. And you just go, you know what? I don't think that's really right. You should probably just let me parent my kid. The thing for me is, I don't care what happens. As long as my kid is happy, he's got a roof over his head, he's got food on the table. I know that I'm not perfect as a parent, but God damn it, I try. And I love my kid. And whatever happens to him, happens to him. He's eight. You know, so... 
And I say that going into, and it sounds judgmental after what I just said, but man, I cannot think but feel that baby Gronk's daddy just needs to tone it down. And the thing, I don't even know what baby Gronk's name is. I don't know what his dad's name is, which I think is kind of an issue with all this as well. LeVar Ball was, he was crucified for how he handled the way that he kind of was trying to push the narrative and push the advertising monetary value of his kids to the big baller brand, which, you know, at this point in time, we are speculating that Lonzo will never play basketball again because of the big baller brand shoe. Now, that could be hyperbole. That could be wildly inaccurate. We don't know. There are some talks about when he was in the Lakers, they had a similar issue. And the Chicago Bulls are worried that maybe his knee is blown off forever because of those shoes. That could be true. It could be not. But my point is, LeVar Ball was getting crucified, villainized, and also built up on this pedestal that we have never seen before from a parent of an NBA or professional athlete. When did you ever see a parent on first take going toe-to-toe with Steve, uh, with Stephen A. Smith? You had two dudes who averaged basically two points a game in high school yelling at each other about professional basketball players. Isn't that insane to you? The fact that that happened was wild. That was in sports history. That'll go down as one of the most awkward, confusing, complex, and also, I guess, entertaining, what, half a year or so we've ever experienced? But we knew LeVar's name. I don't even know Baby Gronk's real name. I don't know Baby Gronk's dad's name. And he is out here going into every celebrity DM. I'm Baby Gronk's dad. I want to get you on this podcast. I want to be on this show. And they're like, are you serious, dog? I love the fact that people are shutting him down because at that point in time, again, I don't like being this dude. I don't like being prisoner of the moment or over the top. And I certainly don't like using the word child abuse. But if you've seen this particular podcast episode, which I stumbled upon, it is from the Bring the Juice pod. And it had baby Gronk and his dad on there. And when you see this, and I'll see if I can put this in the show notes, but just at Bring the Juice pod. When you see the way that they are interacting with baby Gronk, they're asking him questions and he's answering them like a regular ass 10, 11 year old. Hey man, what are you going to do in the off season? Work out. And his dad says, no, run that back. Let me feed him this line. I'm going to get massages by baddies. And then his kid repeats it. They ask him, are you him because that's that's the thing right that's what all the kids are doing all the cool kids i'm him dudes on this podcast say are you him his reaction is yes and his dad chimes in and says no re-ask it you see my instagram right and that's what his kid does it's not abuse is not always in a physical form and I don't want to say that he is in a bad environment, but when you have when you're 10 years old and you're just rocking these diamond chains and you have all of these things thrown at you. And the one thing it seems like is your dad's trying to profit off of you. You can make the argument, and I've actually kind of battled with this internally, is 
Ryan's toy review, right? As a, as a father of a boy, and he, he's eight, four or five years ago, he was all about Ryan's world. And those parents were kind of catching some heat because they're like, well, you're exposing your kid. I'm like, I don't think that they're really exposing him necessarily what they're doing, but they're engaging with him. They're building things. They're playing. They're unboxing toys. Like they're doing something together. What this dude is doing is saying, no, 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 no. That answer isn't right. Give the people what they want. Give them the answer that's going to get us clicks. That to me is what's fucked up more than anything else. This kid might be the next Rob Gronkowski. We don't know. But he's also 10. What you're doing is you're stripping him of his childhood. And just, I've never heard this kid talk before until I saw this one clip. If you were in that, when, God, I'm so fucking worked up now because when you hear his initial answers, he is a 10 year old. He's answering it like a 10 year old. And his dad is going, nah, run it back. I'll feed you the line. To me, that's disgraceful. Look, if my kid could ever be as great as what this kid is supposed to be, that'd be awesome. If I was ever supposed to be as great at what I am and what I do, and my parents wanted to build me up and put me on a pedestal and a platform, that'd be awesome. But doing it for your own gain and not doing it for what your kid wants to do, it's low, shallow, and it's the most pathetic piece of thing I've ever seen. Again, had I not had the context of this interview, I wouldn't have this feeling. But I heard this kid wanting to be a kid. And his dad saying no. You're a brand at 10 years old. On a lighter note, Neil Everett, unfortunately, God, it's not even really a lighter note. I feel bad even saying that. Neil Everett is out on ESPN. And I've told you guys beforehand, I don't like seeing a certain story and then clicking on things. Just so I, cause I don't want it to cloud my judgment. I want to have, if, if there's new information that's brought to me, I'm always on board for new information, new knowledge, and I can kind of tailor things. I'm not going to flip flop, but having new information is always good. But when it comes to this, I don't feel like I really need to click on anything else because it's, it's a very real thing that ESPN employees are going through. So Neil Everett has been a staple of sports center and ESPN for a long, long time. I think over two decades and they cut ties with him. And what they're saying is, ah, uh, you know, his, his budget cuts, his budget cuts dog. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why they have to do this. It's because of, Idiot football fans. That's the reason why. And if you don't think it makes sense, go ahead and listen to this. Neil Everett's annual salary is about $700,000 a year. And he works, I wouldn't say every day, but most days. Definitely more than one day a week. But that money isn't going to the everyday talent. That money is going to the dudes like Stephen A. Smith. It's going to the dudes who are on the Monday night football broadcast. And for everybody who says, I won't watch a game that has X, Y, and Z as a commentary, you are a liar. Because you're going to watch regardless. It's not that hard to tell. The ratings speak for themselves. But the point is. 
football has become such a monster in this country that what they're doing is they're willing to pay 10, 15, almost $20 million a year for somebody to call one football game a week. Isn't that insane to you? That's ridiculous. I, I, I don't know this and I don't like speaking for everybody, but I think I speak for most people when I say, I don't care who was calling the football game. To me, Dennis Miller might be the worst NFL analyst I've ever heard in my entire life. And he was on Monday night football. Why? Because he was funny at the time. He was popular at the time. And we let him be in the booth for Monday night football. But did it stop me from watching? No, I thought he was trash. I couldn't stand him. He was absolute garbage. But we want to do is pay these analysts so much money. So they want to watch our product. They want to, we want to have the eyes on Monday night and Sunday night and Thursday night, whatever we occupy in the sports landscape. When it comes to football, we want your eyes there because we know that you, the consumers are a bunch of goddamn sheep and you'll watch it. But if that's the case, why the f are we paying these dudes so much money? You know, if you didn't pay all these football analysts 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year, you could have better programming. You could have better content. You could have more content. But no, what you want to do is pay the big dogs and then cut out the middleman. Once again, this is America, isn't it? This is where we are because I don't like I people, people talk about Tony Romo. I like Tony Romo. People talk about Chris Collinsworth. I like Chris Collinsworth. And I, I told you, and I will, I will, I will bury anybody when it comes to Chris Collinsworth, when they say, I hate when he says, here's a guy, look at every single thing that you watch in sports. And you tell me that you don't hear somebody say, this guy, here's a guy, here's a guy, here's a guy, because you know what? Yes, you fucking do. And if you're going to go ahead and lash out at that dude, lash out at them, and then don't watch sports because it is all over the place. But my point is, in the grander scheme of things, stop paying these play-by-play -play guys so much. We don't care. It's the game. It's the matchup that matters. We don't care who the f*** is calling the game. I don't. I hate Joe Buck. I don't. But if Joe Buck's calling a football game, if it's a good game, I'm going to watch. I don't watch for the commentary. So stop paying these guys 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year for football that we're already going to watch anyways. Because if we did that, hmm, Neil Everett who's one of the best to ever do it, would still have a job at ESPN. But that's just my two cents. I'm just, I'm just some idiot with a microphone. What do I know? Every league is a copycat league. But the problem is, once you get to the copycat stage, you're already out. Because there's this weird thing called everything is obsolete. I got this computer. It's top of the line. It was eight minutes ago. Yo, idiot. Same thing with Jokic. Well, how do we find a seven-foot center who passes like magic, can shoot like bird, and can play in the post like Hakeem, but who runs like a loaf of bread? Where the f*** can we that you can't you can't so what we're going to look at and this is how the nba is going to work because nikola jokic if he decide in the this what's wild to me i don't think that it happens 
But there's a good chance. Did you see him after winning finals MVP and the NBA finals? He was like, I just want to go home, dog. You don't think that everything in Serbia is going to be paid for him for the rest of his goddamn life? Because it will. Nikola Jokic to Serbia is basically Nick Saban to Alabama. Alabama's paying for Nick Saban's house on top of like an $8 million a year salary. Now I know that, uh, that Jokic is making more money, but my point is he might just say, dog, I'm, I got, I got everything I need, man. I got enough money. And I don't know what the conversion rate is to Serbia, but there's no way. There's no way that man is paying for anything else in his entire life being in that country. But hypothetically, let's just say that he does come back. Back to my original point of the copycat league. How do we find the same dude? You can't. Steph Curry, one of one. Tom Brady, one of one. LeBron James, one of one. You will not find another Nikola Jokic. So what do you do? You try to combat it. And I've made this argument when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. Everybody is so starving for the next Patrick Mahomes that they're willing to give up having a good football team to just get the next quarterback. And spoiler alert, you will not find another Patrick Mahomes. And that's been my argument forever. Stop trying to out Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes because you won't. We see the same terrible franchises picking quarterbacks every single year. Yes, Giants and Jets, I'm looking at you for always just trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Or what you could do because the salary caps are so high now and because of the way that things are constructed why don't you just build the best football team? Hmm. Interesting. So when it comes to Nikola Jokic, we'll take a step back because that's that that was the, that was the original point, and my ADHD just got off track. You're not going to be able to find another seven foot seven-foot center who shoots 50% from three, almost 90% from the line, has great core vision. Right now, you are not going to find it. If you're trying to, and if you're trying to combat it, you cannot do it right now. And you won't be able to right now. When we look at this draft, that's what everybody's looking for, right? We're always looking for the next draft. Victor Webinyama is supposed to be the number one overall pick. And if he's not, the Spurs are and stupid. But he's not a matchup for Nikola Jokic. Jokic would back that dude down and he'd get 50. And he would shoot basically 23 for 30. And then seven for seven from the line. Like that's what he'd do. Webinyama needs to grow into his, and that and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to tell you that he won't grow into his body because he's 19 years old. These guys always get bigger. For a great example, go look at Giannis when he first got in the league. Giannis looked like me, but darker. Look at him now. He looks like goddamn David Robinson. Just an absolute alien and extraterrestrial. So I'm not saying that Webb and Yama can't grow into this, but what I am saying is if you're trying to find the ultimate Jokic cheat code, if you will, if you don't have it right now, it won't matter. Jokic is what? 27, 28 in that ballpark. By the time that you find the guy who can defend him and build up and bulk up, which is going to take a few years, 
he's going to be 32, 33. And spoiler alert, then you got to find out some other freak athlete. And somebody else is going to change the game. And then you got to worry about that mother instead of just Jokic. Stop trying to chase players. Stop trying to chase ghosts. Why don't you just try to put the best basketball team you can together? Because that would, I mean, that's that's wild, right? That's a weird take. That's weird that you just try to put the best team together. Which Denver just happened to do with the best player. Yeah, dog. If you don't have somebody to body up Jokic now for the next three years, Denver's going to win two of the next four NBA championships. You can book that. So we're about to hang things up pretty soon. But what I wanted to bring up was, again, if you listen to the show, but you don't actually follow the Chopping It Up with P. Scott page on Facebook, please do. We do funny memes and polls and things of that nature, which is where I'm at with this. And I asked the audience and I got some really great responses. So I asked, what do you consider to be an underappreciated sensation and also what is one of the worst? And I had said an underappreciated sensation is when you realize that you're out of Q-tips and you can't really clean your ears that day, but then you go and get Q-tips and you clean out. That to me is a great sensation. You get that relief and it just feels so good when you do it. That and opening a brand new can of tennis balls. That's me. I feel like one of the worst sensations you could ever have. The post shower is the goddamn worst. It, it Look, I am a Neanderthal. I am a behemoth. Sometimes I go before a shower. Well, I always go before a shower. But sometimes you got that secondary one. Some people don't want to talk about it. This is a real show, man. Yeah, sometimes you got that post-shower The post-shower is the worst. But I have some really good runner-ups. So I have a buddy of mine, Kirk, who said, because he he has a newborn, and he goes, when your child's poop directly after their bath. So it's basically a post-shower So just cleaning up your kid, like if 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 you have a newborn and they poop directly after a bath, yeah, Kirk's right on that one. My buddy Jeremy also said, taking off work boots is the best feeling ever. Now, he works in construction. I don't do that. But I'll tell you, when I get done with an 11-hour workday, when I have to work in the office and I'm wearing dress shoes, it's the, I know it's not the same, but I get that exact same feeling and just, oh, thank God I get these things off. And he said the worst feeling is people with gross handshakes. That's a really tough one to argue with. Like if we're going to do a hierarchy, if we're going to do a top five or a top 10, people with wet, gross, moist handshakes, I'm with it, dog. It is gross and I am 100% with you. My buddy Josh had, all right, had a really great list. And I wasn't expecting him to be so engaged with this, if you will. But he said, best things, when you get the perfect slice of cheese from the block. Jetty from the block. My man's right. Putting on a pair of brand new socks. Same. It's fresh. It's clean. So fresh and so clean, clean. I get it. Cold bed sheets on a hot night. Same with me, dog. Like I... I burn hot all the time. Cold bed sheets are perfect. Reeling in a monster fish. I don't really fish, but I'm assuming that if you're in that angler type of demographic, that you might feel that way. The sound the net makes on a perfect three. 100% agree. If it's a splash, it's a splash. And it's perfect. Driving slowly over gravel and UT, crackling and popping under your tires. That one doesn't really hit me that much. 
Also, a beetle kill log crackling a campfire. I don't know what a beetle kill log even is. Regardless. All right. But he said the worst things is wet socks. Yes, that is the worst. I hate wet socks. Swamp ass. Suit. That it's not completely tied to post shower, but I mean, it can be a contributing factor, but I 100% agree. Swamp ass is the worst. The sound when people drag a stick through sand. I don't know. As, a, as one of the worst sounds or worst sensations, I don't think I'd put that up there. The micro squeaks that anything knitted makes. Hmm. I don't know if I'd agree with either. Also, Offshoot of pee hitting the top of your foot during a middle of the night piss, wet socks because those are both, <laughs> those are both intertwined. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you guys all for your submissions. If you are listening on Spotify, you can leave us a review and tell us how we're doing, how we're not doing. You can also let us know any topics that you want to listen to. This has been a fun episode, so. Thank you guys so much for chopping it up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Again, you guys can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The homework is to tell one of your friends about hide your kids, hide your wives, so we can grow this thing into the evil empire that we are trying to do. I cannot thank you guys enough for the Spotify five-star reviews. That is what really drives this. So if I'm trying to break the algorithm and break down the people who really have a stranglehold on this situation, it's up to you to make this thing better. Well, it's not to you to make it better. It's up to you to make it bigger. It's up to me to make it better. But as always, you guys know the drill. Stay up. Stay blessed. Tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. I love you all. And we'll see you guys on the next one.